What's up, big dog? What's up, big game? Boy, let me tell you something, man. I remember when you was playing, and we was up at Marquette, because, you know, we were, we all come out of that same era. And, boy, when y'all was playing, I was like, hey, listen, I, was, I used to bet the guys on the team, I was like, Scotty going to get 30 <laughs> on 10 threes today. I mean, literally, that, that was – we used to put numbers on you, boy. That's how crazy it was. <laughs> we bet numbers on you. I was like, Scotty Thurman. I said, this dude don't miss. I mean, it was butter. Like, I don't know if folks give you enough credit, man, for – for. Uh, I mean, you – you was hitting jump shots back in the day, and this is crazy as this may sound, man, when that wasn't particularly for African-Americans known to be jump shot shooters. Because, like, when I went right. to college, a lot of – even my coaches used to say, you know, they, they were used to recruit, you know, the white kids to shoot the jump shots. And, right. you know, we were kind of recruited to be like that athlete, get to the bucket. You could shoot the shot. But, I mean, man, you was right. a sniper. Sniper. <laughs> it's how crazy it is, man. I, I this morning I got up and I, I, I watched the Duke game, man. Oh man. I was I was like, this is I was uh, like, this is insane. Uh, you went way back. Yeah, I went way back. I went I went championship back. <laughs> That's what's up. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an unlearning network production. AG, AG, man. Boy, look what we got on the show today. I'm just going to start this one out just like this. The shot, not heard around. The shot heard round. That's how they say it down yeah. there. Around <laughs> Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. This brother on the show today, man, is a Louisiana native. Mm. An Arkansas Razorback legend. Matter of fact, they still owe him some money. We need to go back and do the NIL deals because Scotty's owes money. Yeah. <laughs> Play pro ball overseas for over 10 years. Coached at the legendary Arkansas school and is now the head coach at Parkview High School. We have on our show on the Hoop Dreams podcast what? today, none other than Mr. Scotty Jump Shot knocking it down in your face, Thurman. I'm Will Gates, and that's my dog. Arthur AG, Scotty, man, thanks for coming on the show, man. We appreciate you, man. The Shot is what I call you. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to do it. It's been a long time since I've seen you, Arthur. I think it was like in Jonesboro, Arkansas or something. Yeah. Uh, when you yeah. guys were getting ready to start uh, previewing the Hoop Dreams and never got an opportunity to meet Mr. Gates, but I've you know, known a lot about him from his days at Marquette, man. And so I'm excited to get a chance to join you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're glad you're here, man. And um, before we get into the show, AJ and I, we just got to ask you this, Scotty, man. Because, you know, we're about the same age. We, we all traveling during yeah. that same time. Right. But what was the first time you saw Hoop Dreams and what were your thoughts? Man, the first time I saw it was like immediately when it came out because I remember AG was going around kind of promoting it. And so I got a chance to kind of really understand some guys who were hungry like me uh, from different uh, city, but it was just engaging to me to see, you know, you guys journey. And so I watched it and I felt it because it was like something I lived through too with just like my brother being an older basketball player and me kind of trying to emulate him. And, you know, we all had all these wistful things we want to do with the game when we're young. And then you're faced with adversity and you got to, you know, go a different route or go to a different school or you may just have to take a detour somewhat. And so, you know, for me, man, it was something I watched as soon as it hit. It was a big deal for me. I still got my copy at the house on the DVD. I still got it, you know, and so... So I got a That's chance to up. watch it, man. And it's something like when you when I started following y'all and seeing you guys had the Hoop Dreams podcast, I started following that instantly. And so I've seen some of the shows you guys have been doing too, man, just trying to support it. And I appreciate the initiative and the drive you guys got to, you know, to put that content out there. And we definitely appreciate that, man. You know, when I when I reached out to you, I told you, man, I got a million questions for you. Cause uh, <laughs> you know, man, I mean the reality is, Scotty, you 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 you're a legend, man. And and this is just on my end, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think that the world never got to see the best of Scotty Thurman. 
So I want to come back around to that. But uh, AG and I on the Hoop Dreams podcast, man, we do this show a little bit different. We call it the Hoop Dreams podcast, but really every guest that comes on, it's really the Scotty Thurman podcast because uh, <laughs> the show is about you, man. So uh, what we want to know is right now, man, give us your origin story. Tell us how you grew up in Ruston, Louisiana and describe your neighborhood growing up, man. What was it like for you growing up in the 70s and the 80s? Well, man, I grew up in Russell, Louisiana, uh, the youngest of four. Um, you know, my father played basketball at Grambling State, Louisiana. He was actually, um, I found this out at his funeral. He was uh, supposed to be one of the first black men to or uh, integrate the University of Houston. Uh, and wow. so he chose not to do that because he met my mom. And so, you know, he wound up having to, it would have been himself and Elvin Hayes. And so Elvin Hayes, obviously, you know, that, that story is, yeah. is already been written. But my father's kind of, I would say, probably started the origin of a Thurman being a great player that nobody maybe have gotten an opportunity to hear of, you know. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up, man, emulating a lot of guys, you know, following my older brother around. I had two older brothers and an older sister. We were athletic household, you know, humble beginnings. My mom worked two jobs. She was a social worker as well as having jobs at places like Kmart, for those of you who know something about that. Uh, you know, my dad was a, he worked in an oil company for Shell Oil in the Gulf of Mexico. So he worked seven days on, seven days off. And so there were times where he got the opportunity to spend time with me. And there was times when obviously he didn't, you know, because he was away mm-hmm. providing. So for me, I had kind of a mixed bag of, of a childhood. You know, I've seen the good and the bad. I've ran with the good characters. I've also got my experience with some of the bad characters. So, you know, but growing up in my neighborhood, you know, I lived in a pretty, you know, um, I would just call it a modern neighborhood. Nothing uh, with rich. Uh, I wouldn't call it low class. I'd probably call it right there in the middle or, or right there below middle. And, um, you know, I had a great childhood coming up, you know, great neighbors that was back in the day where you could go next door and knock on the door and borrow ketchup and whatever other uh, bar soap or what have you, you know, whatever you needed. Yeah. And so, you know, grew up in humble beginnings, man. And basketball for me was just a way to stay out of trouble, a way to, you know, not venture off to the streets, which was so many uh, young men were going when you get up to the 80s, when you think about crack coming on the scene. And so... Yeah. You know, for us, we were doing everything we could to stay away from environments that we knew, you know, weren't up to uh, our standards in terms of what we wanted to be in life. And so for me, I just had a lot of friends, man, that all played sports, whether baseball, basketball, football. You know, we ran track. Because back then, we did everything outdoors, which is a lot different than it is now. So, you know, we used to drink the water out out the water hydrant and all those things. Yeah. Hey, Scotty, let me ask you, speaking on that, too, where you said you play everything. Like, that's what we did. We played everything. But tell our listeners how far and, like, what's the geographical area of Ruston, Louisiana is, you know, what's those other towns that's around from, like, how far y'all from New Orleans? And did you play outside it? Was there different playgrounds and stuff that you played on? Oh, no question. Like, we had playgrounds in every hood, you know. Uh, you know, we had the West Side Park. We had the East End Park. Then we had our high school gyms or middle school outside courts back with the chain link link uh, nets where, you you know, you shoot them and going through the chain because they didn't want anybody yeah. to take them and you, run with them. Yeah, you uh, hear them chink, chink. You know, so, yeah, chink, chink. So, you know, we play in Ruston. It's about, about four hours away from, from New Orleans. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you got Shreveport that's about 45 minutes away. Uh, Monroe, Louisiana is about 30 minutes away. And, you know, there's athletes, man, up in North Louisiana that people, you know, wouldn't even think about. That's why you can see yeah. people like ULM, which used to be Northeast Louisiana, Louisiana Tech, why people have good programs right there because they don't really have to go far for a lot of talent. You know? But a lot of the talent locally in a town like mine, they don't really get out of it. Right, right. I always say this about uh, guys growing up in the South that they're groomed to play all three sports, football and, and run track. Some most of them, football, ba- base, baseball, basketball, and they run track. Like that just seemed like that's the South. What they what they produce, <laughs> and it's known right. as a football town. Yeah. You know well, what you I'm know, saying? That's, that's the thing. 
Yeah, yeah, the whole state. You know, you know Louisiana always been known as a football state, but it's always, but it's always got athletes in a lot of different sports because nobody made us pick and choose. You know, back then you didn't have coaches mm-hmm. tell you in the sixth yep. or seventh grade you got to. Spe- Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. Specialize in basketball. You know, if you want to run track, your parents said you can go run track. If you want to play baseball, you play baseball. I, I played football and probably would have been a pretty good quarterback until I realized I didn't want to get hit like, you know, like that. And so hey, you I, know that what? was the only reason I gave it up. Let, let me ask you this. And you this too, you will. All, every sport that you're talking about, wasn't they free to play? Yeah. Will. Did you have to pay to play in the Demons in the in the uh, Sewer Park Baseball League? No. Did you have to? I mean, these leagues now cost money for shorties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things I think that we probably had to buy, or maybe we didn't know we had to buy because our parents were furnishing it, or whoever was helping us out. You know, probably the uniforms, you know, the caps. But as far as like a a registration fee and right. X amount of dollars for this or that, yeah, I don't think that that was really something we experienced. But we do know this. Somebody was paying for it. It wasn't <laughs> yes, <somebody> was paying. <laughs> yes, somebody. <laughs> That's sure enough the truth. Let me let me ask you this, Scotty. So, you know, let's let's take it back to the playground, man. We I normally ask this question this way, you know, what NBA players you looked up to, but I want to twist it up a little bit. When you was out there on that playground getting your game together, when you and we as athletes, we've all done this. When you went three, two, one, you let it fly. Who, who name was you calling out? Oh, man, now that's crazy because I've been some of everybody. Uh, <laughs> even yeah, Man, I've been some of everybody. Even way back, I'm going to go way back in college, Dallas Comagees. You know, I, I thought I had a turnaround jumper like Dallas Comagees. Tyrone Corbin sometimes because he was, you know, he, oh, scored, yeah. he didn't score like that in the league. But in college, you put that thing in the hole a little bit. Um, Billy Owens. Uh, Steve Smith. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Other guys. Todd Day, obviously, Arkansas, who, who was there before me, you know, as I started to get older. Uh, but, man, you know, I, but I really loved uh, Derek Coleman and Sherman Douglas, those Syracuse teams, because I was a Syracuse fan growing up, you know, as, as, as a youngster. But, but man, I've been Chris Jackson. Um, I've been <laughs> smart. You know, I've been Lenny Bias. You know how it is. You know, you guys pick one on that particular day. Hey, Thurl Bailey. Um, you know, so those are just a lot of guys. Just I grew up, man, just watching, and I've always just enjoyed watching the college game. And so, you know, you go back to the Big East, Jerome Lane. You know, yeah, uh, uh, Chris Mullen, uh, Willie Green, and those guys. So I've had a chance to emulate a lot of different people. Wayman Tisdale at OU. Oh, you know how nice he was, so Mr. Double Double. So, so it was a every time you look, turn around, jump, and never stop, man. So, there was a lot of guys I emulated growing up. Yeah, that's what's up. Now, now in your family, man, I know you talked about your dad uh, having that talent that we didn't get an opportunity to to see. Was your brothers, your sisters in athletics? Like, what what is this? Does this gene extend throughout the entire family? Well, my sister didn't play at didn't play sports. She cheered. She cheered and ran track. Um, and then, you know, once she became a tenth, eleventh grader, she was more girly girl in the pageants and those types of things. Homecoming court, homecoming queen, those types of things. Uh, my older brother, he was a swimmer and a tennis guy, which you know back then no blacks were swimming and, and playing tennis, so he didn't really go very far with that. Uh, and then my brother, who's three years older than I am. He was probably the the alpha male athlete in the family as far as, especially basketball. I mean, he was a great baseball player, but basketball, he was one of them guys that, you know, would have been getting a check if he could have just stayed, you know, on the right path. But unfortunately, you know, Mm -hmm. he made some decisions and, you know, peer pressure being what it is, uh, you know, he didn't get an opportunity to reach his dream. But he was a big time player, man, about six eight lefty, which he's really a righty, but he shot basketball lefty. He does everything with his right, but shoot basketball left. So he was nice though. I mean, he, he was super nice. And that's that's kind of the person who 
I followed around. You know how it is. You get roughed up a little bit by him. You get roughed up by his friends. And then all of a sudden, when you come out and you playing against guys your age, you're like, oh, no, nah, man, I've been getting beat up too much. There's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to let you guys do it. Yeah, I got to pay the price for all the beatings I've been taking. Hey, let me ask you something. Oh, right there. That's just that question right there. How can we as a basketball society now bring that bring that type of stuff back like how to because uh, that's what's missing don't you think well i think it could be done i think it'll definitely be a process uh for it to happen but i think one of the biggest things to me anyway is how you know you remember back when we played au basketball there was a certain amount of teams that would qualify for nationals so you had to be in the top two mm-hmm. and so now though if you think about it team lose a game in gym number one, they go to gym number two and they play another game just like they didn't lose that game. There's no penalization. There's nothing. It's just, oh, we just, we lost, but we got another one here too. And I feel like the requirements on competition should change because now everybody expects mm. to, to win, even if they lose. You know, you got a team that's losing that's expected to get a trophy. You got a team that's losing expected to get notarized. Like you got players that are being that are being ranked you know just think about it back when we were seeing ranked players you know you read you read hoops in school you read streets of smith you know you're gonna read all this and, fi- and figure the out basketball bible well now right but now you got everybody's ranked players yeah and so you got guys that are living in say i'm gonna say texas they're rating all the kids in texas and saying these are the best players in the country but they haven't gone to Illinois. They haven't gone to Indiana. They haven't gone. I use myself as an example. I'll never forget this. Back when I was coming out of high school, we used to play an event, and Bob Givens hosted the event. It was at Davidson College. I don't remember the exact name, but it was at Davidson College. It was every, like, March. It was like the kickoff to AAU. Mm. And, you know, you see Boo Boo Williams and all these guys. I'll never forget. We took our team up there. And, you know, I'd never gone to North Carolina to play. I'd never been out of the state to play like that, you know. So we get there, and we go in this gym, and it's like, oh, that's Allen Iverson. Oh, that's Joe Smith. I'm like, really? I'm looking in the book. Like, man, that is him. Like, okay. But they not knowing. I'm plotting. I'm plotting, though. I'm like, I'm like, man, if if this supposed to be the dude, like, I want to see. You know, he got to show me. So I wound up playing well enough to where Bob Gibbons was getting ready, getting ready, I said. It didn't happen. Was getting ready to rank me in the top 50. I'm I'm unseen, haven't even been seen. Damn. Top 50. So I'm top 50. That lasts all the way up until the summer. And then when fall starts, Bob Givens is not getting on a plane and flying to Ruston, Louisiana to watch Scotty Dermott play in high school. Not when he can go to L.A., not when he can go to New York and see... 12 Scotty Thurmans, possibly because of the population difference. And so, but I'm dropping down the polls and still hadn't really been evaluated anymore. Interesting. And I think there's a lot of that going on where there's certain people that are doing certain favors, rate this kid here, rate this kid there. And I'm a believer, okay, that kid rated number one, but on this particular day, if number 25 dominates one on that day, because we all know it can happen. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make 25-1? Does he just jump past everybody else and go one? And and I've seen instances where that where that's happened. You know, I remember in 2019 or 20, I'm gonna say 17, I saw Zion Williamson for the first time. And at the time I'm looking, they was like he's rated number 84 in the country. And I'm looking at his class, I'm looking at his size, and I'm thinking, <laughs> where are 83 other dudes at? That's better than this kid at this age. Are, are, are five of them just in this gym right here now alone? Can I see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Like, Come I on. would love to visit them. I would. I'd love to see them. And so I think. I think a lot of it is you got personal opinions on some of this stuff, and, and I get it. You know, you got guys trying to you know make a living based off basketball and their expertise, and some of them are accurate. But you and I both know. Yeah. It's no exact science, man. There's guys that can hoop everywhere, and some of them don't have a star on them. They just can. They just can go out there and get it done. Yep. It's interesting that you say that, man, because I've I've seen that a lot too. It's just it's you're right. There is a 
recruiting service in every state. Every state got their own top, you know, 100 players. And, right. and, and then, of course, let alone from the gym shoe companies, you know, you got Nike right. got their deal, you know, Under Armour got their deal. Adidas got their deal. Mm-hmm. So you're right, man. It's it's and but with that being said, then are we seeing an increase of athletic talent on the high major level? Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Or are we seeing a decrease of talent? I think it's a increase possibly just because there's so many more kids playing basketball now. Um, you know, I think there are a lot more levels because you, you think about, I mean, back when we were coming out of high school, I think the prep school that you would hear about would be Oak Hill. And I think there was one called MCI, like Maine Central or something like that. But you didn't have prep schools throughout. So that's a whole different population of kid now. And now the prep schools have post-grad, regional, uh, national. So now that's three that, that's three teams on, at one school. And so when you start thinking about that, and then now you got more D2 programs, in prop, I'm sure, than what we had. Nobody even talked about D2 when we was coming out. Now you got a D2 school pop, you know, D2 schools. You got more NAIA schools. So I feel like the population of talent has, has increased. But I also feel like the process of elimination is not what it needs to be because you still got some guys just playing, especially with the transfer portal now, a lot of guys being recycled. So you got a lot of hoopers that's out here that's good enough to be scholarship guys, but because they get caught up in transferring when they probably should have stayed where they were Mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be, lose out on the deal. So the numbers have gone up, but then I think there's still some being left by the wayside just due to the fact of how it's set up now with this transfer portal. Yeah. I know some dudes just just sit, names just sitting in there, like getting overlooked like a mother. <laughs> like ain't nobody paying attention to you. Like think about high school kids. Like I got three high school kids right now that are good that are good enough to go play D two, low D one. But I they can't don't want to get go. anybody on the phone to get well. That's part of it too, you know. Prideful, you know, as far as not thinking, I, I, I'm, I'm better than that. Yeah. yeah, I'm better than that. But not realizing, hey, go to D, go D two and go kill if you like that, and then see what happens. Or the D two coaches are like, man, I can't really spend a lot of time on a high school kid right now. I got to go get this 23, 24 year old dude that's already shown he can do classwork, already mm-hmm. shown he can practice, already look like a man, already got the, I ain't got to make him, I just got to get him here. So I think a lot of kids are getting weeded out from that as well. Coach, I, I recommend a Northwest Missouri State. My boy that was okay. at Hoop Dreams, the one that said on the bus, we gonna take state, we gonna take state. He actually yeah, yeah. wind up, he actually went to my junior college in a mental area, and then he wind up uh, going to Northwest Missouri State winning a, a Division II championship. Got ring and everything. And they won it like about three, four, okay. four times. So they they one of the top teams in D2. I mean, facility real nice. Okay. Man, hey, that's what a lot of, that's what a lot of these kids don't understand, man. You got D2 facilities that some of them are a lot better than some lower level D1s. A lot better. Don't they look like uh, suburban private colleges? Like yes. that's, that's how they yes. look. I and, mean, and, ugh. And they're expensive. So my thing is if they're giving you an opportunity to come attend their school. What? That must mean they see something in you. They're giving you this money. So you got to go embrace that and make the most of it. Hey, Will, I want to ask you this. Perfect example of how we, how we talking about that. H- how did your sons view Houston Baptist University and, and they and they talent? coming from your loins. Let me tell you something, man. I told them free money <laughs> is great money. That's, that's, that's the reality. And at the end of the day, it was always about, listen, man, you, I need you to be able to go out here and get your mind right, get your life right, get this opportunity mm-hmm. because mom and dad can't take care of you the rest of right. your life. So we've always kept that perspective in them. But I hear what you're saying, Scotty, because the, the the reality is that you know even what we're talking about hoop dreams, it's 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 hard to 
separate the two when you're young. Right. Because all you hear is the promise. All you hear about is the future. And then, and 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 this leads into my question. Now, that's relating to everything we're talking about. You hear, are, are we putting too much hope in kids, especially when we tell them, hey, man, if you just work hard, the rest is going to work itself out. In a lot of ways, sometimes I feel like, man, we're, we're setting kids up sometimes when we say that because you can work extremely hard and it's still not work out. What's your take on that? Well, I think I, I think you're exactly you're the nail on the head. You know, I think we can't just give them a blank canvas. You know, it's kind of like that old cliche. Well, he's 18 years old now. It's time for him to get out and figure it out. Well, if not if he's not prepared. You know, if he's not prepared, he's going to be he's going to be back when he's 19. He can be back when he's 20 at some point. So if you're going to send him out, you got to at least send him out with some preparation. And so I think it's the same thing. Like some of my kids, I know they don't like it when I say everybody's not going to play Division One. Everybody's not going to play college ball. That's not popular. Nobody wants to hear that. Most coaches don't want to say that because it's like, oh, man, you're killing the kid's dreams. No. If he's good enough and the opportunity meets the work, then, hey, it may happen. Mm-hmm. But there are no guarantees that because he works – is going to happen. I think that's the part that's being left out. There are no guarantees in anything. I mean, you can work your butt off in business and the business still go bankrupt. You can work your butt off in, you know, starting a, a little car wash detail and it, it go belly up. I mean, you can open up a restaurant. It go Anything can not go as planned. Yep. And I think Absolutely. that's the biggest thing is when we, I, I use myself as an example. And I try to share this with my, my parents and my kids. So I got a daughter, right? I got a daughter and a son. My son's 28. My daughter's 18. My daughter's is an athlete. Like she ran track, played basketball. Track was her first sport. Uh, basketball was second. Well, her last middle school game, her biggest deal because she can jump. And so I was like, hey, sweetheart, I want you to get me 20 rebounds. Just get dad 20 rebounds. I don't care if you want to score a basket. Just get dad 20 rebounds. Yes, sir. She goes out. She has 22 points, 24 rebounds. And by the time we get in my truck and get home, she says, hey, Dad, I don't want to tell you this right now, but I just think you need to know I don't really want to play basketball anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, as a dad, mm-hmm. that punched me in my gut. I'm like, oh, like, really? You want to tell me this right now? Like, I'm on a high. Like, let me ride high. And I think what happens is parents want that. They want that high to ride that out. And when it's not that, it's you didn't do this, you didn't do that. But I said, I'll have to say this. After I got to take a couple of days, think about it. Make sure this is what you want to do, because when you give it up, most people never return to something that they give up. I said, so think about it. Well, she thought about it. She came back. She said, Dad, I don't don't want to play. Okay, sweetie. She comes back a few days later. I don't want to run track anymore either. Okay, so what are we going to do? Anything? I want to play volleyball. Mm. Volleyball. Nobody in my family's played volleyball. We don't know anything about volleyball. Fast forward, four years into volleyball, she's at North Carolina as an early enrollee right now on a full ride volleyball scholarship. (sighs) Much love, much love. Now, all I did was keep her in the arena, training, working, getting to work, but never... You got to do this. You got to do that. And this is going to happen for you because, number one, nobody in my family has ever played volleyball, so we really can't speak on it. And number two, I just want her to be happy doing what it is she's doing. That's her deal. It's not my right. deal. I just want to encourage her and keep her in the right position to do it. And I think what happens is some of our parents, we live through our kids. Yeah. There's a yeah. difference between yeah. living living with them and versus living for them. Yeah. I, she, let, me, let me throw this one at you, that, too, man. She will that. This is, Oh, yeah. No doubt. But let me throw this at you, because this is a follow-up to that, to what you're saying. Uh, being a coach, being a former athlete, do you think there is a certain time you tell athletes that this also, this might not be for you? Right. I think it is. I think this a, it's a shaky ground, especially if it's, Still games to be played in competition because certain kids, now they take you literal and they think you may be hating on their dream for real, especially if you don't have the support of the home. Um, I think I think it I think it varies by kid. 
I think it probably also varies by team. It varies by the, the relationship between the player and the coach. Um, but I think there are some real conversations that need to be had where you can tell a kid, hey, this is what you have to do to put yourself in a position for the opportunity. That's the way I try to explain it to my kids. You got to do these things to put you in position. There is no guarantee still. But if you put yourself in position, then at least I can even fight for you. I can pick up the phone and say, hey, man, the kid's done everything I asked him to do. He's going to class. He's knocking out his work. He's working his butt off in practice. But if I don't feel comfortable saying those things, then it's up to me to try to convey that message to you in a way to where you can receive it as the player and be able to go out there and act upon it. Yeah, we we we, we, we in a world now, man. We- hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before some old punk ass parents and people in society <laughs> we just can't tell a kid hey man you garbage dog you, you know when I was coming up and I was trying to be good I had people out on this court like he ain't shit he can't do it you ain't right. gonna be shit I mean why right. I can't how they gave it to me I'm like Isaiah Thomas like why, why right. would we get beat up we can't do it we can't beat you back yeah. up so yeah. why, why can't I right. let you a hey, parent your kid is not right now. Right now, go go work somewhere else. He he's not gonna be able to make right. my team. That's it. Okay. Right. Truth right. hurts. Yeah, the truth hurts. That's for sure. You know, I, I I agree. Now, I mean, I think a lot of it is we all want our kids to have so much more than we did, and I think as parents, we put that pressure on ourselves not only to give them things, but to deliver information and be uh, a lot less forward mm-hmm. when giving it. I'm the opposite. You know, I give my daughter's 18. I give I give it to her the same way I give it to my boy that's 28. Now, it may be some different verbiage because it's male, female, but I'm still going to give it to you real because I want you to hear it. I know if I'm, hey, little Johnny, that might not be received, especially if at home that mm-hmm. ain't what's happening. Yep. You know what I mean? So for me, I'm trying to get straight to the point. I'm going to reach you where you're at. If I got to say it all nicely, I'm going to say it nicely, if you're getting it. Right. Now, if you're not getting it, I'm going to change it. But if I know you're a dude that I come at you nicely like that, you're going to take my kindness for weakness, I got to approach that situation differently. Now it's going to be some, you know, a few more verbs and, and descriptives and some, and some things in there where I'm trying to make sure you understand this is the last time we're going to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But don't you think that also goes back to, you know, speaking of you talking about your your kids, but that also goes back to at least I would I would assume these were conversations that you have with them very early on. What I've noticed because I've coached AAU many, many years and what I've noticed with the parents is the, the kids mentality sits really high and they're they're like. You know, I've seen parents carrying their kids' backpacks in. I've seen, <laughs> you know, they're like, Mom, my bag over there. Can you grab mm. my bag? Like I'm saying, they, <laughs> they've been catered to so much. So right. stuff, and I always put it this way, stuff that should have been stopped at 4, 5, and 6, it's hard to stop it at 14, 15, that's true. and 16. Yeah, that's true. So how can you, and this is my question, how can you have, as a coach, have that hard conversation with your player? When that parent is supporting some of that, right? I hate to use the word negative, but some of that energy that isn't good for your student athlete. 
Right. How do you well, handle those situations? Well, man, it's 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 definitely a tough uh, it's a tough road, you know, no question. You know, if it's like you said, if a parent is supporting negativity or bad behavior or things that are not about the whole or not positive, mm-hmm. that's tough. Uh, but what I try to do is sit down with parents and have that, that conversation with them with their kid because I like to see how they interact with their parents. I know if the kid's interacting with his parent in a negative light or he's cursing and fussing, ain't no sense in me thinking I'm going to be able to change that. Right. You know, So for me, at that point, I have to make a decision how far I'm willing to go with mm-hmm. that particular kid. And there's some cases it just won't work. you know. And there's some cases where a kid, a mom will see or mom and dad will see or however the, you know, the household is set up, they'll be like, okay, I see what you're saying, Coach, but there have been some instances where, you know, hey, he got to go, you know, Mm -hmm. because what I'm not going to try to do is save one and lose many. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll do everything I can to save one, but I got to know that that one going to work with me to try to be saved. If he ain't trying to be saved, then I got to stick with these guys that's that's really trying to do it. But, you know, we got to ask you this. What what's what's. What's Coach Scotty Thurman's line? Like, what? what is the, we ain't never crossing this. What's your line? What's my line in terms of behavior? Yeah, in terms of behavior, like, you know, you cross this line, that's it. Uh, well, they all know I don't tolerate disrespect. Like, that's not even, that's, that's non-negotiable. Uh, you know, talking to me like I'm a kid or trying to treat me like that or raising your voice to me like I'm your age and we're friends. That's the quickest way to get you out of here. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have. You know, I'm from the old school with that. You know, the days where you know kids don't talk back. You know, yep. I'm not really trying to hear no mom, no mumbling. No, none of that. I don't, I don't do that. Now, if you may have something to say, but I need you to be saying it on your way walking away from me, <laughs> and then I'm gonna live with it. But, right. but if I can hear you and you talking, you better be far enough away where I can't understand you. You know, because I don't really deal with that. But. <laughs> But 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 my main line is I always tell them, you know, I'm looking to get rid of somebody. I tell them that every day. Mm. I'm looking to get mm. rid of somebody. And, and what I mean by that is if you're doing it the right way, meaning you're trying to take care of your business school, you're not being disrespectful to teachers and administrators, st- other students, and you coming down here, you may not even be a good basketball player, but you may be a good leader. Mm-hmm. I might keep you around. Yeah. But you can be the best basketball player and be a butthole, and mm-hmm. up there in the building causing problems with teachers. And yep. they calling me. He, 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 you got you to go. Yeah, Being a class clown like Will was in Hoop Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing his work. You know what I'm saying? Pinga Tour coming in. I have to give his ass a Saturday detention. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll leave that where that's at. <laughs> but uh, I, I want to ask you this, Scotty, man, to, to keep this moving. Every guy. Every guy, man, has that moment, has that game where you like, you know what? I'm next level. What was that for you? Man, it's crazy, y'all. So I'm going to say my freshman year, we played Memphis State. That's back when they were called Memphis State with Penny Hardaway and David Vaughn and that group. Mm-hmm. And they came into Barnhill my freshman year and, I had been having good red and white scrimmages and had a great midnight magic, so I felt like I was set up to have a real good game. And I came out, man, and my nerves got the best of me, and I didn't play well. And we won the game, though. We got down 20. We came back and won the game. And this was one of those days where we had a back-to-back. We were playing Tennessee Martin the next day. Mm-hmm. So we came back. We played Tennessee Martin. I had about 14. Felt a little better, but still didn't feel like I had my best game. But, hey, we won, so I was good. Mm-hmm. Well, we traveled to Arizona to go play Arizona that weekend. That's when they had Chris Mills. Damon Stoudemire was a mm-hmm. sophomore. Khalil Reeves was a sophomore. They had yeah. Big Ed Stokes. Um, mm-hmm. And they had, uh, they had a couple of O's was a sophomore, I think. Big mm-hmm. Joe Blair was a freshman with me. So they had a, they had a nice crew. Yeah. And they had won, like, at the time, I think, like 40-something games in a row in there. Mm-hmm. And so we go in there. Nobody thought we had a chance to beat them. They were so much bigger than us. But our two biggest guys were six eight and six seven with Dwight Stewart and Corliss Williamson. Yeah. And Corliss wasn't playing. 
Damn. And so I went, I went in there, man, and I had 28. I think I was like seven for 11 from the three, and I was battling Chris Mills, who I kind of, he was a guy that I probably should have mentioned early, earlier that I kind of mimic, mimic some things about in my mm-hmm. game. And I got the and I got the best of him, and I knew, you know, how highly he was rated coming out of high school, how highly he was rated in college, and I was like, man, you know what, man, I can play with these dudes. And so from that point on, I think we went to Missouri after that. I hit Missouri for thirty four. Damn. And after that, the rest was history, man. I just had that confidence, confidence thinking kicked in. Yeah, I had the confidence. But but the beauty of it, man, I tell people this all the time, and I never really looked at it like this when I was coming out of high school, but my dad, who I told you worked seven days on, seven days off, mm-hmm. he's deceased now. So I take a lot of lessons okay. that I learned from him. And so one of the things he told me, you know, my dad was always on me, you know, you got to do this better, you got to do that better. But it wasn't to the point to where I didn't want to hear his voice. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like I said, he was seven days gone, seven days off. So I was anxious to hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And so i never forget, man, before I left to go to Arkansas, he told me, he said, man, you're going to start up there. You're going to be a starter. Now, this is from a guy who is normally saying, you got to rebound better. You got to be a better defender. It's never too positive. It's going to be a little positive, but not going to be a lot. And, man, he was like, man, you're going to be a starter up there. So when I went up there, I had the confidence that I could play. I just hadn't done it yet. Right. And then when I got the opportunity to do it, my confidence just shot through the roof. And I just remembered in his head, he said that this was going to happen. Mm. Amazing. Man, we, we want to jump into, uh, man, your college, your college life, man. You know, I often wonder because, again, man, I, I, I remember you playing in college. You was a killer. How did you get to Arkansas? If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. So, did you visit any other schools? I mean, yeah, I did. I did. I did. My recruiting was kind of crazy, though. You know, because um, like I told you, I went from being an unknown to top fifty to mm-hmm. being probably. I think I came out of high school like one twenty-seven. But the difference was that I had already played against some of the better players and they played well. So the coaches who were recruiting me were already kind of on me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot of schools on me, but my top five was Arkansas, Oklahoma, Pittsburgh, uh, Stanford, and Texas. Mm. And so I took a visit to Arkansas, I took a visit to OU, and I took a visit to Pitt. Mm. And so I wound up choosing Arkansas for a couple of reasons. One, it was close to home or close enough to home, I felt that you know, my parents could come and see me play because that was a, that was important for me. And then back then having a black coach, you know, that was something that I really wanted to experience. I didn't get that I didn't get that opportunity in high school. And so Coach Rissen kind of re- reminded me of my dad a little bit. So that kind of made it a little bit easier too. So the so the Converse bag with the cabbage in it in the hotel room, that didn't have nothing to do with it. Man, I, I wish I was on that level. The, 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 the converse, the, I wish I was. The converse bag with the cabbage inside that wasn't in your hotel room on your visit, huh? Hey, hey, I was the I was the dude that came to Arkansas. I never forget this, man. They had a little event they used to have down downtown called the uh, Hoop Fest. It was like this big three on three tournament, mm-hmm. and it was a big mm-hmm. deal. And so, Corliss and I had came from Fayetteville that summer because we were up there. He was in summer school, and I was just working a summer job. So we drove down to, you know, watch the tournament and hang out. And so we came down. I'll never forget, everywhere we walked around, you know, everybody knew him because he was the guy. Yeah. And so all I was hearing was, hey, can he play? Hey, can he play? Hey, can he hope? Is he any good? Like, like I'm not standing there. You know what I mean? I'm like, what well, the hell? Like, you ain't gonna ask me if I can hoop? Like, ask me, right. I'll tell you. Right. You know? Oh, so that's all I'm hearing was, hey, can he hoop, can he hoop? So I was that guy, it wasn't no bag for me. Big fella probably had the bag. I was just, right. I was the right. guy with the guy that right. had the bag. Yeah, <laughs> hey, AG, hey, we heard that before. Hey man, I wasn't there, I was just with the guy that was yeah. with the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, and let, let me say this too, let me, uh, when we talk about college careers and actual schools, what we talking about, there's going to college 
And then there is Superstar National College, meaning the 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 you know just all the perks that are better from a mid major from a regular college right. to superstar not, like we'll will will understand what I'm talking about and you do too how was right. it as a freshman walking onto that campus the first day and you know you just absorbing like damn I'm in college like well man it was it was kind of funny it was like it was a pledging period you know because Without the pledging, you know what I mean, like because we, we had already been up there. This, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> we, we had already been up there this summer, and so we knew the lay of the land, you know where the class buildings were, you know how to navigate through the city or whatnot. But we didn't know. Like I never forget, Corliss and I, our first day, we leaving to go to campus. You know, we got our backpacks on, we headed to school. You know, we going to class. Freshman, we excited to be on campus, and you know, you see the girls, you see all the people, the town fluttering, football game, first week of school. Yeah, you know, big deal. And so we walk out of the dorm, and there was like this big crowd of football players, and some of our basketball teammates, and a few other people, and they were all like, "Man, where y'all going?" We like, we going to class. They were like, class on the first day of school? Nobody goes to class the first day of school. <laughs> Nobody goes to class the first week of school. Damn. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? <laughs> hey, so we so we went to class. We were like, man, we the laughing stock. I was like, yeah, but wow. my mom going to want this syllabi, baby. My dad going to want to know that I went, so I'm going to go ahead and make it. I ain't going to worry about, about that. But it was good, man. It was just good to... Being that type of atmosphere, you know, obviously with it being a predominantly white institution, that was different because yep. I grew up at a school that was 60-40, but mm -hmm. I could go up the street to Ground State where it was all African-American. And so wow. it was a little bit different for me because my college life, going and seeing SWAC football and SWAC basketball, that was what I thought my college experience was going to be like. Mm -hmm. And so when I wound up going to Arkansas, obviously, you know, it's not going to be that way, but you don't know what it looks like until you get there. Yeah. And so when I got there, that's when I was like, man, this is crazy. I mean, I've never really seen this many people that don't look like me yeah. you know, and be singled out as everybody knew who the student athlete was, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever sport you play, because it wasn't a lot of us. Hey, the SEC got how many institutions like that? Like man, how, all, man, uh, yeah. like damn, to all the schools in the SEC like that. That's the way it is. Seventy what? Probably eighty what? <laughs> eighty twenty? Yeah, easy eighty. Yeah, easy. That, that 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 that's if you being being nice with the numbers is probably right. eighty twenty. Mm hmm. And 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 all the schools. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if you think about where they're located. I mean, that that's that's the way it is. I mean, even Vandy being in Nashville, which is probably our most diverse, our Baton Rouge is probably the most diverse city but with LSU, but Nashville's fairly diverse too. I mean, and they've got, I would think LSU would probably have the most African-American students if we were to probably break it down. Ole right. Miss probably not as many, even though they're close to Memphis, but most of the students that go there are from like uh, Eastern Arkansas, uh, other parts of Mississippi and then Tennessee versus like Arkansas because they do out-of-state tuition right now. You touching Missouri, you touching Oklahoma, you touching Kansas, you touching Louisiana. So they're kind of plucking those Texas students who don't want to go pay the Texas tuition. They're coming to, you know, coming to Arkansas. Hey, this hey, this hey, listen, this is a little joke I be telling everybody who went to bigger schools than mid-majors. I say, man, let me tell you something. I was so one of the dudes all about how you looked it in practice. Like, I needed the practice gear with my number on it. Just don't give me no shit that say <laughs> Arkansas State, man, and just a flip over red and black. You and Will, you and Will, you and Will with the schools where y'all number was on y'all damn practice uniforms. And y'all had the baggy yeah, shit. It, Everything looked at nice. Yeah. Our shit just had black shorts, <laughs> Arkansas State on that motherfucking flip over. Like, that was it. <laughs> Hey, but but AJ, as a caveat to that, 
There's a reason why I stuff had our number and our names on it because your teammates would steal your gear. So <laughs> 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 they got to put your name in there. Boy. You look up, stuff can't be out there in your stuff because your stuff clean and there yeah, wasn't, man. Exactly. So that, that's how that was. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you this, Scotty, before, before we jump into that amazing NCAA run. Yes. Did y'all play Arkansas State? What? No, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, back then, there was some type of agreement where the athletic director didn't allow the coaches to schedule games with in-state schools. Yeah. Now they really? don't They don't play each other, but Arkansas last year played Little Rock, what used to be University of Arkansas Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And our girls, Arkansas girls played uh, UAPB, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. So they're trying to do a little bit better job instead of giving the money to out-of-state schools, try to keep some of the money in-state to help some of those schools, which I think would have probably been a great idea back then. But, you know, our, our OAD just was not allowed that. Because, you know, I was looking I was looking for the box scores, man. I was trying to find <laughs> I said, maybe that just ain't up. Hey, Will, if, if they did, they would have blew us the hell out. <laughs> I would have fouled out. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I would have filed out. I mean, even if it was a home or away, Will, they was blowing us out. It's just they, they, right. they you know, when you when you when you got when you got doming pitchings against poodles, that's what that would have been like. We have poodles. They got doming pitchings at every position, Will. So it would have been a blowout. I would have filed out. And 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 your boys, Clint McDaniel number would have just, you know, how they you know how they rock. 40 minutes of hell you. <laughs> I'm the gold of my era. I've been a trending topic. I'm as fly as a feather. My pocket's macroscopic. See, with time, I get better. I'm always in the action, kid. No, I got it locked from Chicago where the toughest live. Concrete jungle, earn my stripes on the pavement there. You make it here, then you can make it anywhere. No comparison. Your game is embarrassing. No one can touch me. I'm all for going there again. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. Written and produced by Arthur Agee, Will Gates, Matt Hoffer, with audio engineering from Matt Savage. For more episodes, check us out at www.unlearningnetwork.com. Gotta be a dog to survive in this cold weather. Ice in my veins, no need for a warm sweater. I'm coming for it all, best believe I won't let up, yeah. Hey, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me.